Are you not a citizen of the world? If you are a citizen of the world, you have to engage with stuff. You can't just put your head down and say, you know, this doesn't matter to me. Because, like, what matters? OTB AM. Live. Weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette. We don't just play the game. We change it. Gillette. Made of what matters. This is News Talk. three and a half minutes of just beauty and brilliance in song in uh, paying tribute to our uh, departing producer JP I'm sure that that will be up on our social media if you just came in at the end I'm wondering what the hell was going on with uh, Kevin Coban singing um, you'd miss him with him over in Canada not getting the old renditions around the pub of Dublin every so often uh, but we are going to resume normal broadcasting now well normal-ish in that obviously we're uh, going to get into the news round now that'll bring us all the way up to eight o'clock and uh, then at eight o'clock i think well obviously the entire country has been shocked by the tragic death of ashley murphy yesterday in tullamore and we're going to be reacting to that with maliki clerkin journalist with the irish times the journalist Anya kerr and the ul professor orla muldoon are going to join us after eight o'clock and then the football show is coming up from nine uh, john giles is going to be on the football show liverpool arsenal gets underway very shortly in the carabao cup so he's going to be watching that and reacting to some of the other big football stories of the week and dan mcdonnell is going to be alongside me in studio as well but let's get to the news round which is brought to you by gillette put your best face forward with our new and improved razors richie mccormick is there good evening richie I'm glad some order has finally been restored after that uh, drunken session just before the break, Nathan. I don't even think he was. I think it was just the one little sip just to make sure the vocal cords were in order. That was a Jameson Black Label and there wasn't just one drink taken out of it, I can tell you, you that think? much. You think? You yeah. think? Are you going to give yeah. us a song, Richie? No one kill ban. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of Sonic Youth numbers lined up okay, for JP that I know he'll uh, truly appreciate. Yeah, nice cheery, nice cheery stuff. I, when Expressway say, to your skull. It's a favourite of mine. Come I, on, let's I, go. I, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to go with Ice Ice Baby. But actually, I'll be honest with you. I thought that's where we were I think I, I think you got the the emotional pitch just right, Joe. Well, I thought it was Ice Ice Baby as well. Again, I'm blown away by his voice. Anytime I've heard him, it's been in a pub. People are talking. It's late in the evening. Whereas here we were, crystal clear, and it was uh, it was very tender. Wasn't his voice very tender? Oh, can you imagine in the in the wilds of Canada where he's living right now? You know, half an hour outside Toronto. In the wilds of Canada, they'll have never seen anything like this. Like it's minus 24 where he is at the moment. No electricity. The nights are long. They're sitting in with a little glass of whiskey. All the neighbours gather around. This man from far exotic places, Ackle, arrives in and blows them away with song. It's glorious. It was like Will Ferrell in Step Brothers. <laughs> exactly. That was how I felt. Exactly. It's, a, it's maybe a, a bit more, a little bit more like that. So uh, He's yes. going to have an album out in time for Christmas, isn't he? That's where this is heading. I'd buy it. Off the back of that. Kevin Gilband's all-time Irish classics. <laughs> You'd buy it. The fact that he's not giving you a free copy, I think, speaks volumes well, for Gilband. And that, uh, that, that secret song that bands used to do at the end, which then would be just the version of Ice Ice Baby, is a little bonus track for everybody. We could definitely get on board with that. I want him, I want him, to, hear, I want to hear him do the, the Irish ballad version of Ice Ice Baby to deconstruct it and then rebuild it in his own image and have it as a kind of uh, an old-school kind of ballad. I think that's what could be his signature. I do worry, Joe, that we'll, we'll never hear him on Off the Ball again, though, now, because JP was the only person who had the patience to put up with him. Yeah, there is that. I mean, there was a many a night where Ken Command broke JP's heart. Uh, that, that is true. We'll try, we'll persevere. I think once a month he comes good for us, but uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, JP definitely was a dog with a bone when it came to Gilban. Mm. 
All right, let's get into the news round then. Uh, Carabao Cup semi-final. First leg, Chelsea, we know, through to the final. Liverpool-Arsenal gets underway in around, what, just over 15 minutes, Richie. What's the team news? Big news and big names returning for Liverpool tonight. Their starting eleven has Alisson in goal at the expense, of course, of Cuevin Kelleher. A back four then of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joe Matip, Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson. In midfield, Fabinho is assisted by Jordan Henderson and James Milner. Then up front, the trio of Diogo Jota, Roberto Firmino and Takumi Minamino. For Arsenal, a 4-2-3-1 for them. Aaron Ramsdale in goal, Cedric Suarez, Ben White, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney are across their back four. Albert, Sambi Lakonga and Granit Janka anchor the midfield and then the trio of Bakayo Saka, Alexandre Lacazette and Gabriel Martinelli are in support of Eddie and Ketia. Kickoff is at 7.45. Uh, last night's semi-final was a bit of a letdown. Generally the Carabao Cup, League Cup semi-finals traditionally have been some of the great games of the year. It feels like they're a little bit looser than a Premier League match, even than an FA Cup semi-final. Uh, but Chelsea just sort of steamrolled. They were just too powerful for a Tottenham yeah. side that Antonio Conte as he said himself, is sort of bored with already, talking yeah. about the same thing week in, week out. We're just not quite good enough. At some stage, it's does the investment come or does he have to make them better? Well, he refused to answer a question last night when he was asked about where they need to get better because he said, I've answered it so many times. And as you said, there was a degree of boredom about that. David Heitner had a piece in The Guardian yesterday whereby on Monday, Conte sat down with Daniel Levy and the new technical direct- director there, Paratici and gave them a list of what he needs and certainly according to David Heitner there's a centre half required, centre midfielder, right sided player Adama Traore interestingly mm. seems to be one he's, he's happy to take and a backup striker so I don't know if you're calling that 50 million each that's the guts of 200 million maybe he gets three of those but it allows him to get moving. I think Conte uh, will be realistic and understand that he's unlikely to get those three players in January and certainly four in January that's the nature of January business it's so often terrible so I'd say there's a a view to the summer there and if he doesn't get what he wants over the summer then I think we'll start to see a bit of um, unhappiness creep in because he's already I think you're right I think he's already a touch fed up with what he's got at the moment looking forward to this game tonight that's a really strong Liverpool team I think Klopp deep down 11 points behind Man City game in hand notwithstanding I think there's probably an understanding that the cup competitions in particular Champions League but all the cup competitions can uh, put a sheen on this season so they're going for it and that's great well also they obviously had a couple of games postponed including uh, this match a week ago there is a mid-season break which I think might creep up on people towards the end of January that because there is uh, qualifiers in South America the African Cup of Nations is still going on that there is a couple of weeks without Premier League fixtures at the weekends so actually Liverpool are probably relatively well rested and will be well rested now and in a month's time so Quite a few Liverpool players have been talking about this over the last few weeks, Richie, that you can't question Jurgen Klopp. They've won a Premier League. They've won a Champions League. But actually, they probably need and should have a bit more silverware for how good they've been over the last three or four years. Yeah, they tend to end the season pretty strongly as well. That's been a a hallmark, I think, even before Jurgen Klopp's days that they've got into the last three or four months and, and kind of railroaded through February, March and into April. Um, but yeah, trophies, trophies are, are a huge thing because... There is a sense that we are in the the dwindling days of the the Jurgen Klopp era at Liverpool because uh, talk of contract extensions from his perspective have been put on the back burner for a while. He's not really that keen to talk about his future. He's here for now. He's happy to get on with things for now. Um, He's brought them a league success that they craved for so long. He brought them a Champions League. But you do get that feeling, and it is a nagging one, that they do need to add a few few more bits of silverware for him actually to be 
properly considered a legend at the club and to have brought the team on. There is a refresh there needed, though, um, and I'm surprised that we haven't heard about them possibly doing business. I know like whatever Spurs have got to do there, it's difficult, but January business in general is pretty tricky. But they do need a refresh up front um, just to take the load off. And, and you know, Have they not the got that in Diogo like, Jota? Like, they're they, still in they a difficult position. If, if the contract situation does get sorted, obviously if Salah isn't going to resign or if Mane isn't going to resign, they're going to have an issue. But if they do resign and you have Diogo Jota there as well and Roberto Firmino as backup, you're sort of in that position again of are you spending 40, 50 million on somebody who's not going to get in the team? Well, how long more is uh, Roberto Firmino going to be there? There is a sense that he's been edged out over the last 18 months to two years. And he's become the fourth man where Diogo Jota was brought in and he was perhaps the fourth man. But we've seen before, if you don't have that front three starting, then they can struggle for goals. And if you're playing against better opposition, they can struggle for goals as well. So they're, like, I, they, you, you refresh when you're at your strongest. Like it was, yeah. It's been a tenet of so many managers. And it's That's... one that Liverpool probably should have done a year or two ago and definitely need to do now, regardless of the outcome of Salah's contract talks. That's an interesting point you made there, Rich, that you think he needs to win a bit more to be a legend of the club. It's funny, I'd probably disagree with that. I'd say even if Klopp never wins another thing, and even if he stayed there for another two or three years without winning another thing, I think he's been such a force of nature and, and such a personality. I think he is a legendary figure. Bridge well, the gap yeah. with the no, league, yep. won the Champions yeah. League, and... You know, Klopp's about things like, remember they drew two all at West Brom and he just gets everybody to celebrate when he first arrived and he's ridiculed for it. But several years on, there's such a connection between the fans and the team. And the last round in the League Cup, it's like, it's a magical night when Cuevin Kelleher does his thing. And like Klopp is so much more than trophies won. I, I think he's got legendary status sewn mm. up. I, th- I think, to be honest, I probably phrased it wrong. The outside perception of Klopp, like in, inward of Liverpool, he's going to be loved no matter what. Like he could, yeah. he could parade around the, the, the stadium naked twice and, and everybody would still love him. <laughs> but like, um, it, it's outside of the club. Like people view, looking in would say, well, you just walking out with two trophies after seven, eight years. Like, is that really, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, outside, outside you build of, them up I, from a low base, I guess. Well, that's, no, that's I, think, the I think the outside judgment is it will, be, will always be a bit harsher than what will come from inside Anfield. Look at where they were when Brendan Rodgers left to the consistency that they've got and I thought Kieran Cunningham made a good point a few weeks ago about you know Liverpool keeping Manchester City honest we'd be looking at a Bayern Munich type scenario only Klopp has somehow got Liverpool to a level mm. where they've been able to consistently get over 90 points in the league play some of the greatest football in some of the greatest matches we've seen in the history of the Premier League consistently against Chelsea and Manchester City and has done it without spending an absolute fortune without having the depth that the other sides have, certainly that Manchester City and Chelsea have right now. And I think it's an interesting window and an interesting summer coming for Liverpool in terms of the supporters' relationship with the club and with FSG in particular, because I do think while Klopp has done an unbelievable man-management job at what he's done with a Trent Alexander-Arnold, making him one of the best in the world, with Salah and Mane and elevating them to a whole new level, Liverpool wouldn't have won the league without spending... 130, 140 million on Alisson and Virgil van Dijk, two of, if not the best players in the world in their position. And they haven't done that since. And if you want to compete with Manchester City, you've got to go and do that. And are Liverpool, are they in the market for Erling Haaland? Again, listening to the conversations over the last few days, it doesn't seem as though they are. It's Manchester United, Manchester City, Real Madrid and Barcelona. And if, if you're a Liverpool supporter and you're looking at the success you're wondering, why aren't Liverpool in the mix? And you've got to wonder what Jurgen Klopp is thinking. Maybe his relationship with the hierarchy is so strong and maybe he loves the challenge. Maybe he doesn't want it ever thrown at him that you bought a title. 
But if if you're Jurgen Klopp and, and this Mo Salah thing, he's got a smile on his face in the press conference and I think he'll resign. Like, if I'm the best manager in the world and he's the best player in the world, we should be together. Why would we ever let this guy go? So I wonder behind the scenes what's happening and I wonder is there a bit of a backlash coming if Liverpool don't spend, if they don't invest in the way that it seems almost everyone else is doing. Look at Arsenal tonight, talk of 70 million on Dusan Vlahovic in a January transfer window. So everything's pretty rosy at the moment in Liverpool, but if they don't invest, I think there'll be criticism coming and there'll be an expectation of Klopp, I think, to be critical of the ownership as well. Yeah, I agree with all that. And look, it's it's not quite Ferguson covering over for the Glazers, but there's a degree of, as you said, Klopp really achieving elite standards without spending the money those around him are spending. So if during the summer he was to even hint at a slight frustration with the ownership, then, I mean... It's no question as to the fans are loyal to. They're not loyal to John Henry. Like Klopp has an army behind him. So like he does have the power to put the ownership under pressure if he wants to. A glorious day, Richie, in the African Cup of Nations. <laughs> Goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A rarity in uh, Cameroon so far. And the hosts are the first side to book a place in the last 16 at the Africa Cup of Nations. Vincent Aboubacar and Carl Toko Akambi both scored twice in a 4-1 victory, the luxury over Ethiopia today. Cape Verde can join them with three points this evening. There was a 7pm start in Yaoundé where it's still Cape Verde nil, Burkina Faso nil, Shamrock Rovers defender Roberto Lopez once again uh, starting for Cape Verde there. I had a little nibble on Cameroon after Jonathan Wilson was on the show on Friday night previewing the tournament and the fountain of knowledge that he is. I mentioned that Cameroon haven't lost a competitive game at home since 1973, uh, which is a semi-decent record. And they haven't really been spoken about because they don't have the star names of some of the other sides, but uh, well on their way into the last 16 already. Have you watched any of it so far, Joe? No, next to none, I'm afraid. Just busy watching everything else. I watched the opening match uh, Cameroon played in, which was a cracker. Uh, Cameroon coming from behind. It was had all the madness you want on the first day. The opposition should have had a player sent off Burkina Faso in 25 seconds. Clear red card. Mm. Uh, crazy goals. And then obviously we had the situation yesterday as well. It is like the Euros, though, in that there's 24 teams. 16 go through to the knockout stage. So you can sort of ignore, I think, everything that happens for the next 10 days and then dive in then and get all the good stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't want Cameroon to, to almost um, blow the water at this stage because they have been like head and shoulders above everybody else that we've seen uh, so far because everything is really tepid and like not really inspiring at all. And the only bit of crack we got yesterday was that Mali-Chinizia game um, and that was up for literally all the wrong reasons. So um, last 16, I think, is, is when things will finally get interesting as they often do in these tournaments. Champions Cup back tomorrow night. Richie, uh, Munster playing cast. Munster have named their team. Yeah, Jack Crowley's going to make a first European start for Munster in tomorrow night's Heineken Champions Cup trip to Cash. Conor Murray returns to the side at Scrum Half, while Keith Earls is in for Simon Zebo on the wing. Andrew Conway is also back in the side, as is our captain Peter O'Mahony and Jack O'Donoghue. Zebo not involved, that's despite being cleared to play by a disciplinary panel yesterday. And after that red card against Ulster, Johan van Graan knows his side will need to be ultra-disciplined tomorrow night. Um, and I thought our discipline through the season was pretty good in, in terms of Friday evening adapting to to the referee, um, Luke Beers are, are one of the best referees around, um, and you now looking looking to to how he he's going to approach a breakdown, what he's going to allow and not allow in the mall, looking at, at uh, what's going to happen in the scrum. So, yeah, we'll have to be on top of our game um, and deliver a very big performance to get a result there on Friday evening. 
he didn't pull a Kilban on it, did he, Richie? And actually sing stand up and fight at the end of the press conferences was suggested last uh, night. Unfortunately, not. No, um, he's like it going through the press conference and stuff. It it just strikes how at odds, I guess, the impression um, that people have of Van Gran is with the one that's presented to when he's doing like his duties. He's really courteous. Like he's really courteous. He's really open to people. Um, and not in the in the sense like people think he's kind of guarded and closed off, and he just seems like he's actually. Who was on Monday? Um, was on a Monday Night Rugby. Might Jerry. have been Jerry, who's saying like he, like he is he's willing to go that that, that extra mile and, and and talk a little bit more and, and make people feel welcome and make people feel at ease. And there is like you go through one of his press conferences and there's really a sense of that. Like I know Ash was doing stuff for us and it might have been her first uh, press conference. Couldn't have been better to her. Courteous to Jerry, to Michael Corkin from RTE, like to everybody. Like it's he, just he's a good egg, it seems. And the situation as it is with him heading off to bath at the end of the season and it, like people forget that contract negotiations go on like that the whole contract thing now with players and we'll get to the comic ones in a minute like they, they come around this time of year and announcements are made this time of year it just so happens that Munster haven't had a good couple of months and tie that into the fact that Van Grand's tenure has been overlapping with a fairly uh, feckin' period for, for Leinster, um, it's a difficult time for him. And yeah. uh, a little bit of slack would probably want to be cut his, uh, cut his way, but I think... Well, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think slack, maybe, but I think also, you know, given a full rundown of what happened and a timeline, because I think everyone was a bit confused as to the fact that, you know, it turned out he had signed a contract. That too, yeah. That nobody fair. knew that's about. absolutely fair. There was a break yeah. clause in there, and I guess the two can exist that he can be a good guy while maybe having yeah. made a decision that is not great for Munster right now. So, uh, yeah, it, it does feel they're in that position, Joe, where they had a great win last week. They showed a bit of character. But because Van Gran is going, they're always going to be one game from crisis between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and like, they did well against Ulster. I think Ulster in the main lost that game. And if it was a different time of the year, we'd be talking about how Ulster threw it away. But because all the attention is on Munster, we talked about Munster. But you're right. Look, 14 men, they did win the game. I, there, there's two aspects to it. There's one, the performances and the style of play, which are a problem. And they remain a problem. And that's really bubbled up. And the Connacht game was such a, a drastic example of the yields of Munster under Van Gran, combined with the fact that he's departing, that there was a real backlash. And there was a real sense of, well... What is the point in persevering with this for the rest of the season and losing a big European game and a URC final in the manner with which we've lost all of these games previously? And I think that's what the likes of Keith Wood and other, others were getting at. I think that's fair. It's harsh, but it's fair. And the second aspect is the, well, how much does he care about us? And I think that's veered into slightly unfair territory and it's show us how you feel. And, you know, he's felt a certain pressure to even say I'm a Munster man and my daughter was born here and like justify his relationship with Munster which I think is just a touch OTT like he's a professional rugby coach he's clearly working very hard he's clearly dedicated so I, I think some of that show us emotion stuff yeah, that's all ancillary um, and look ultimately no matter what he says it's undercut by mm. as you said the fact that he is leaving you know he can say how much he loves the place but he is leaving then again coaches leave all the time it's um it's always tricky when it's announced ahead of schedule, isn't it? So, I don't know. The, the whole thing is very tricky for him. I do agree with you. They will they will lurch from, you know, just about happy to crisis unless we see a dramatic change in how they're playing. And we're not going to. 
we're not going to see a change at this stage in how Munster are playing. I'd be shocked. No, he's not going to throw off the shackles, that's for sure. Um, Richie, you did mention it's contract season and yeah. Connacht with a few announcements today. Yeah, following the footsteps of the likes of Finley Bealham and Jack Carty, five more players committing their futures to Connacht today. Inform flanker Connor Oliver signed a two-year extension, as have centre Tom Farrell and fullback Oren McNulty. Ireland international scrum half Quaylen Blade has penned a one-year deal along with the hooker Dylan Tierney Martin. We have had a goal, by the way, in the African Cup of Nations. Uh, Hassan Band has given Burkina Faso a 1-0 lead against Roberto Lopez's Cape Verde. Yeah, we'll have uh, Pico Lopez on the show next week as well, uh, talking about his time, uh, which will hopefully be extended into the last 16. Obviously, they won their opening match, so they have a decent opportunity of doing that. Uh, the latest episode of Golf Weekly, by the way, is up live now. You can get on to otbsports.com forward slash Golf Weekly and sign up to the Patreon, get the podcast, get all the good stuff that comes across the year. I unfortunately couldn't make it today, Joe, but I trust you survived without me. Were you talking about Netflix and golf? Yeah, came up. Yeah. Are you excited? No Tiger Woods, no Rory McIlroy, no Phil Mickelson, mm. no Bryson, but a host of good names all the same. It's going to be interesting to see who the breakout stars are in that with the wider public. That was a conversation we had. And we wondered as well, I don't know, there's a suspicion the PGA Tour will keep this fairly sanitized. I think we, the, 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 the mood on the podcast was, we'll believe it when we see it. You know the way with Drive to Survive, you mm. got the language, you got the conflict, you got the reality. To, I mean, I'm sure we didn't get all of it, but you felt you got the reality of how people were feeling. Will we get that in golf is going to be very interesting. But look, if it's halfway good and if it does 30% for golf, what Drive to Survive did for Formula One, then it's an amazing development for the sport. Yeah, I cannot wait to see how it works. You're right about the people who are missing. Arguably the four most interesting people in golf right yeah. now are Rory, Tiger, Phil and Bryson. Bryson and also, yeah. Tiger is such an all-consuming figure in golf that how do you approach the Tiger subject? You can't go through 10 episodes and not mention Tiger. And there's a very strong possibility that over the course of this season, Tiger returns at some stage, which will be the only show in town. So, are you showing it from all the other players' angle? Maybe you are. Maybe maybe that's more interesting, actually, than can do, yeah. Tiger returning, who is the most media-savvy of them all. And you can be damn sure it would give you absolutely nothing. Or maybe they're holding off on a big announcement close to the time, and turns out they've been following Tiger all along. I, part, of, part of the enjoyment of Drive to Survive is not just the drivers. It's the people around them. Like, there's certain interesting conversations between the drivers and you say you hear the effing and the blind and the cursing and the bits and pieces you wouldn't always see but like it's the Toto Wolves and the Lawrence Strolls and the owners and the people whose livelihoods totally rest on the success of the drivers can often be more interesting than the drivers themselves and maybe with Drive to Survive that you know maybe the caddies become stars maybe there's caddies who are talkative Uh, I'm just not quite sure how the flow of it we're probably too thinking about it through the drive to survive model, model. where yeah. actually there's obviously a very different way to go so yeah, yeah. listen Jordan, Jordan Speed Jordan episode Speed 1 is, 40 minutes yeah Speed is signed it. up and so in Michael Greller there's a really interesting caddy like a guy who caddied for Speed once who was a a teacher and decided to go off with Speed and here he is uh, several millions later and you know they have such an interesting relationship on the course and you know I I suppose for the connoisseurs as well like I don't know what F1 connoisseurs think of Drive to Survive I've heard a few of them say some of this stuff is overblown and like the row that they had wasn't actually that big a row and Drive to Survive makes it seem really big so I don't know what the connoisseurs of F1 think equally I was saying earlier like those of us who love golf you'd you'd really like if they get into the spirit of of uh, doing things which we'd be into like 
apparently they're going to have access to Augusta. I really want them to do. I want to see everything about Augusta. I want to see the locker rooms. I want to see all that stuff. Riviera, all these great courses, Pebble Beach, get a feel for behind the scenes at those places. So um, maybe they feel that won't appeal to the wider public. But I kind of hope we get a bit of that. Bit of cricket news, Richie? Yeah, an impressive performance with the balls, giving Ireland a real chance of victory in their second one-day international with the West Indies. Andy McBride took four for 36. As Ireland bowled out their hosts for 229 at Sabina Park. Ireland, in response, are currently 78 for two and needing 152 runs from just over 35 overs. So a real chance uh, of victory for Ireland there. Uh, Chris Wood admits that the fee that's taken him to Newcastle is mad. The Kiwi strikers left Burnley in a deal worth 30 million euro. Newcastle were in need of striking reinforcements due to an injury suffered by Callum Wilson but is confident he can help steer Eddie Howe's side away from relegation either. Look, I'm sure you've seen from the time that he's been in the building um, how he's changing the squad and changing the team tactically and, and the way they want to play. Obviously uh, Eddie's team has been um, well known from Bournemouth to be able to play from the back, move things forward, um, keep possession of the ball. So. Um, he's got great ideas that he's trying to implement into the squad. I mean, it's never going to happen overnight. He's going to need time to do that. And uh, I've been out on the training pitch now today, and I can see it's already flowing. Um, so there's a lot of creativity in this team, um, and I know that they create a lot of chances. Um, so hopefully there's a lot coming my way, and I can, I can do the business. An awful lot of focus on the fee and the fact that they met the release clause of 25 million, Joe. But Chris Wood has played four full seasons in the Premier League, scored at least 10 goals in each of those four seasons, which is, for a striker at Burnley, a decent return. And for a club like Newcastle, who it seems clear that the big clubs won't sell them the players in this window, that they don't want to give them the Jesse Lingards of this world, 25 million doesn't seem massively overpriced. And it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if they paid 100 million for you know, this season. Ultimately, what they're going to have to worry about Newcastle over the next two to three years is financial fair play and hitting certain markers there. And, you know, this may, in hindsight, be a bit of a nuisance. But really, from a value for money point of view, it keeps if it keeps them up and, and saves a wasted season, like, it doesn't matter if they paid £100 million for him. Like, it, money, we, we, we can't get our heads around enough how irrelevant money is here when we're talking about a club and an investment fund 14 times richer than Man City's owners. Like, <laughs> here, take another 50. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, John Giles is going to be on the football show after nine, um, has some opinions on this, and Sean Dyche and what it means for Burnley as well, which is the bonus in all of this for Newcastle that they've managed to take one of their main rivals yeah. for relegations, main assets, and Burnley certainly are going to go and spend the majority of that money, but I guess they have a manager who knows how to survive. And It's a, it's a, it's a real Alex Ferguson move. It's like, David May played well against us twice. We'll take David May. Was it Was it 25 years ago yesterday that Andy Cole made that move from... Oh wow! That felt like seven million. That was, a, that, was, that was a tough day in school for any Liverpool supporters. It just seven felt million. that that was the day a lot of people said, "Well, the money in this game is out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, twenty-five million for Chris Wood. Uh, we are out of time, uh, Joe. Thanks for sticking with us throughout the evening. Right, now, Do you want to leave us with a song? <laughs> I'll come back to you in that. I'll send you a WhatsApp. Great, great. Please do, Richie. Thank you as always. Nice and lads. The News Round on Off The Ball With Gillette We don't just play the game We change it Gillette Made of what matters